Welcome to the HubbardWrestlingWeekly.com podcast. The opinions and ideas expressed on this show are solely those of HubbardWrestlingWeekly.com and its guests. This is the very best of professional wrestling, both independent and mainstream. Once again, you already know what it is. This is the best up-and-coming professional wrestling podcast in the New York City, Tri-State, East Coast, West Coast, Worldwide, wherever you are at. We are so happy that you are listening right now to the Hubbard WrestlingWeekly.com podcast. And once again, August 23rd, 2018, I say what up, though? I'm your host, Sean H., and I'm so excited to bring you another big time episode of the hashtag HW Weekly Podcast with a very special guest. And we're going to be talking about one of the most polarizing figures in the wrestling industry today, Roman Reigns. But before we get into it, I got to make sure I let you guys know for all your web development and web platform needs, there's only one place to go, Hoshcrea.com. They're revolutionizing the industry. When you go to the website and check their portfolio, you will see a who's who in the world of entertainment of the clients that they represent and the clients that they do their web development and web platforming for. Don't be left out. You got to make sure you present your business in the best possible light. So in order to do that, go to H-A-A-S-C-R-E-A.com, Hoshcrea.com, because we love tech. Once again, I'm your host, Sean H., and I'm so happy to be with you guys on tonight. Once again, August 23rd, 2018, coming off the heels of one of the best Summer Slams in a while. I thought WWE put on a good show. Some improvements needed to be made, but I think overall they did a good job. And uh, someone who was very prominent on that card is uh, someone we're going to be talking about right here tonight on the Hubbard Wrestling Weekly dot com podcast he is a decorated champion he's always going to be in the universal championship picture he's always going to be in the wwe championship picture he's always going to have some kind of storyline that's going to put him at the forefront of our minds because wwe has definitely made it clear and vince mcmahon has definitely made it clear that he is the new face of the company shield member multiple time champion we're going to be talking about roman Reigns, and when I say we are going to be talking about him, well, I'm talking about myself. And I'm talking about my guest at this time. He is the host of the Drum Room on YouTube, a very successful YouTube show, as well as this week in Rock and Wednesday Wisdom. He is the producer of the TNT podcast, hosted by CM Tracy Smiley, and we're so excited to have Zildjian sixty five. Welcome to the show, my man. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So happy to have you here. And uh, we're going to have a little bit of fun. Listen, let's get right into it, man. Because I know that, like I said, you're definitely a student in the game, as am I. And the reason why I wanted to have you on the show in regards to this particular subject is is the fact that Roman Reigns is definitely a kick in the teeth. And what I mean by that is the fans, uh, other than you know little kids and women, 
don't seem to get behind this guy, even though he's really, really good in the ring. Uh, ever since his call-up, uh, you know, Survivor Series helping CM Punk retain the WWE title. But what I want to start off with you with is your current ideal of what Roman Reigns is all about. What's your current view of the, obviously, the number one uh, guy in the business as far as uh, what the push is, but the fans are not really getting behind him. What's your take on it? The way I view Roman Reigns is he's a great wrestler in ring. He's amazing. His matches, it's like, even if it's a Raw match, and Raw tends to have some poorer matches on there, his matches are usually, to me, match of the night. He is just a good wrestler. He doesn't have a good character, though, and that's why people aren't getting behind him. That's why people get behind people like The Miz or even a Brock Lesnar. That's crazy. I mean, you're, you're 100% right. And the thing for me is that when, like you said, you know, just piggybacking off of what you just said, he's really good in the ring. So it's like it, it proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that in WWE or any professional wrestling organization, Ring of Honor, uh, New Japan, Impact, you have to have a character that's going to hold weight. Otherwise, it's just not going to work out because clearly Roman Reigns, the fans are just not digging him right now. And in the biggest... To me, what really created more the problems is the root of it. After the Shield broke up, and we'll get into this later, obviously. Yes. The Dean Ambrose got had his music. Seth Rollins had his music. They got new looks entirely. Roman Reigns is the Shield 2.0. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, let's let's jump right into this thing, man. I mean. We're talking about 2010, 2011. Roman Roman Reigns is down in FCW, the former developmental territory of WWE, just when NXT was about to get off the ground. He actually had a, a short stint in NXT when that transition was made by Triple H in 2011, 2012. And not too long after that, uh, you know, the former Tyler Black and Dean Ambrose, as you just mentioned, were, were bursting onto the scene in NXT and FCW as well. And... Before you know it, we're talking about Survivor Series 2012, and we're talking about CM Punk defending the WWE Championship against Ryback. Uh, High-profile match. A lot of people feel Ryback was kind of thrusted into that main event role before his time. I am one to agree with that, but he was pretty hot at the time, so I could understand why he was in the main event scene. CM Punk... Hotter than fish grease, one of the biggest and best workers in the industry at the time. Uh, we definitely miss him. Shout out to CM Punk. We wish he would come back, you know, but that's a different story for a different day. We're talking about, like I said, Survivor Series 2012, highly anticipated WWE Championship match. And CM Punk is kind of on the ropes here. You know, Ryback looks like he might be, you know, zoning in on his first WWE Championship. And all of a sudden, the lights go out. And who appears? Uh, the, you know, we're talking about Seth Rollins. We're talking about Dean Ambrose. And we're talking about Roman Reigns. Three relative unknowns. Again, NXT at the time wasn't really as popular as it is now. So not many people knew who these three guys were. All of a sudden, The Shield was born. We didn't know what their name was at the time. But The Shield was born, and they helped CM Punk retain the WWE Championship at Survivor Series. How did you feel about that unorthodox debut of this trio. I've always found that that introduction very interesting because they went on to be the one of the top babyface 
I shouldn't say tag team, but factions of of like of all time in wrestling. But they started out as a heel, right. and they were helping CM Punk get heel heat. Because you gotta remember, Punk had a hard time getting heat because he was so well liked. Yes, it only it only took like it, it took up until Raw Raw one thousand for him to get some really some heat. And that's saying something. It takes a long time. So I've always found it interesting that they're introduced as these massive heels helping someone get heat. But then they turn around and make them huge baby faces. And, and the baby face turn wasn't too long after that. I mean, uh, they went on during their heel, their initial heel run, helping out CM Punk. They helped CM Punk retain at Survivor Series, as we noted earlier. They helped CM Punk retain against Ryback at TLC. And uh, like I said, it was off to the races as they continued to help CM Punk all the way through the Royal Rumble. Vince McMahon overturned the decision that would have allowed CM Punk in 2013 to retain the WWE Championship against the returning Rock. But the premise was still there. The Shield was doing CM Punk's dirty work, as you accurately pointed out, doing some uh, some heat-seeking for CM Punk. Heading into WrestleMania 29. And, uh, I mean, we're talking about tag team championship for Roman Reigns and uh, Seth Rollins. Talking about the United States championship around Dean Ambrose. Let's talk about that for a quick second. How do you feel about Dean Ambrose almost having the, I would say, the, the push to be the leader as the singles champion amongst Seth and Roman as the tag champs? Did you feel that way? I honestly don't feel like Ambrose is the best singles leader for them. And some, I would have to say even Seth Rollins is the best because how do I, kind of like when, you know like when you have a group of friends and you got like the really smart one, then you got the like kind of the quirky kind of really good but doesn't know how to handle himself one, then you got the crazy one. You don't want the crazy one leading the group. You want the smart one leading. Absolutely. Let's talk about Dean Ambrose for two more seconds before we dig into Roman Reigns even more. Did you feel at one point that, because I thought they were teasing a Dean Ambrose kind of breaking off from the group kind of a deal uh, around this time. Did you sense that Dean Ambrose was going to uh, turn his back on the shield? It never happened, but it looked like they teased it for a little bit. Did you notice that? Absolutely. And the whole thing about that is, is Dean Ambrose just bleeds heel. He literally bleeds heel no matter what he's doing. I agree. Uh, Dean Ambrose is definitely a natural heel, and he certainly was at that time. Uh, he's kind of an anti-hero now. We're looking forward to his return from injury, and uh, we'll see what happens in 2018. But in 2014, he was definitely a, uh, a pro heel, and there was a tease that he was going to turn on the shield. That turn never happened. We know who eventually would turn on the shield, but that comes a little later on. So we move forward. And uh, we see that, you know, the Shield is doing, like I said, CM Punk's dirty work at first. Now they've transitioned into kind of being the enforcers of the authority. Triple H, Batista, Randy Orton, Stephanie McMahon, Kane, the New Age Outlaws. They, you know, basically are running the show. And the Shield is the, the backbone of that operation. Uh, similar to the way the big boss man and Ken Shamrock were for Vince McMahon back in the 1990s, the late 90s with the corporation that they put together. It's kind of similar, but that situation wouldn't last forever as on an episode of Monday Night Raw leading into WrestleMania 30, uh, they would uh, be called upon by Kane to 
I guess, discipline Jerry the King Lawler after some comments that Jerry the King Lawler had made. And they were supposed to beat down the king in the king's hometown. And the shield on a dime turned on Kane and essentially turned on the authority. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the shield were faces. You know, this group that came on the scene and bursted on the scene, assisting CM Punk to retain the WWE Championship numerous times. Uh, this group that bursted onto the scene and were the backbone of the authority, the most powerful entity in WWE at that time. And I guess the Shield had had enough and decided they wanted to do their own thing. So they turned on Kane and it began a rivalry with the newly reunited Evolution Stable from 2003, 2004, and the early stages of 2005. Batista, former world champion, Randy Orton, the legend killer, former world champion, and one of the greatest champions of all time, Triple H, reformed Evolution without Ric Flair. I guess Ric Flair didn't fit into the equation in 2014 uh, as he did in 2003. But Evolution was back together and they would go to war. Let's call it, you know, what it is, go to war with the Shield for uh, a few months. And it was it was pretty good. How'd you feel about uh, that rivalry, man? It was a good rivalry. It was a good way to bring in the Seth heel turn. Because they did a really good job of convincing you that no one was ever going to turn on the Shield. And then all of a sudden, it's we'll get into Seth's heel turn, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, it all ties into it very well. Story-wise, it's very told very well. The matches are very good. I would have to say, like, out of, like... The Payback 2014 match of Shield versus Evolution probably is my favorite tag match of the, of the year, as far as the pay-per-view goes. Nice, nice. Very well done, very entertaining, and definitely left you craving more. And the next night on Raw after Payback, Triple H lets the world know that he never loses. What do he mean by that? Well, we would soon find out uh, the Shield... Were like I said, never more popular. I'm talking about when you talk about uh, a, a heel turn in the midst of the height of popularity. There's only one thing that can rival that, and I, that would, to me, would be 1998 Survivor Series Rock when The Rock was as hot as fish oil, and on a dime decided to join the corporation. And that's exactly what would happen to the Shield, specifically one member of the Shield, as Seth Rollins turns his back on the Shield. And all of a sudden, the Shield is no more. The um, Roman Reigns and uh, Dean Ambrose tag team would last a little longer. They would come out through the crowd and with the Shield music for a few more weeks. But eventually, Dean would branch off on his own, as would Roman Reigns. Before we really dig into what this whole show is about, Roman Reigns, talk to us about the Seth Rollins heel turn and what that would mean. Uh, for the future of the Shield, obviously, it was all over, and uh, a lot of people were kind of wanting to see a little bit more of the Shield. Anyone who wanted to see more of it was in their right mind to, but WWE booked it so perfectly to get rid of it right at the height of popularity because then if, oh, they're still hot. The Shield is still hot as far as fans wanting to see it, except now they can see. Dean Rambos versus Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins, so on and so forth. All that, and then the, it elevates those matches to an even higher status than they would be any other time. Like, you don't want to milk 
things for too long because then no one's going to care about Dean Ambrose versus Seth Rollins. Right, right. Agreed, agreed. Um, I would have liked to last a little longer. I could have seen it lasting a little longer, but I guess at that point they just felt like you said, you know, there's no higher we can go with these three guys as a unit. Let's split them up and see what they could do on their own. And they didn't really even even really split up in that time frame because all they did essentially was face each other. Right, right. They were together. Yeah, I see what you're trying to say. They weren't a team anymore, but they were definitely being booked together. You're right. You're right. And, uh, you know, if you move forward, I mean, we're talking about the summer of 2014. Uh, the Shield is no more. And we're about to go into a time where uh, each guy is really shining individually but for much different reasons than you would expect all of a sudden Seth Rollins is in the main event picture and uh, he not too long after the breakup of the shield wins the money in the bank and eventually at the following years Wrestlemania becomes WWE champion undisputed on champion, Roman Reigns uh, on Roman Reigns in a, in a match that was initially Brock versus uh, Roman and Seth is off to the races, and my God, we're talking about Seth being the hottest heel in the industry, and almost Dean, you know, Dean was kind of in the Intercontinental Championship picture, Roman Reigns was, uh, I, in my opinion, at this time, Roman Reigns was a little bit lost, as uh, he, and let's go back a little bit, 2000, uh, the 2015 Royal Rumble was the time when Roman Reigns started to get these negative responses you know uh, up until that time it was kind of middle of the road but Roman Reigns really got booed out of the building when he won the 2015 Royal Rumble and going into the match with Brock at Wrestlemania he was the distinguished underdog and Brock was the distinguished fan favorite Seth cashes in the crowd even though it's a heel move the crowd goes crazy how'd you feel about Wrestlemania 31's outcome well, it was, it was a great outcome because it was great booking where you couldn't have Roman Reigns win. Now it just only hurt him more. Couldn't have Brock Lesnar win because people wanted a champion. Now he had showed up. Then he had Seth Rollins, the hottest guy on the, on, on the earth at that point, just cashing in all of a sudden. doesn't matter if he's a heel or not. A lot of people, it's kind of like how people view the Universal Championship now. They don't care if Constable Cor- Corbin wins the title. They just want someone who's there every week to have the title. And that's sort of situation we were in. We've always been in this situation with Rock, kind of, since he came back. And it's really elevated now, and we're, especially where, where Roman Reigns is now. It really ties into that. And even in 2015, and, and the storyline I was saying earlier, they never really split up. Right. Because they, they booked his first championship win against Roman Reigns. That's true. That's true. They definitely booked them together, and it was definitely a rivalry that was worth watching. And I'll tell you what, man, this is what, this is what leads into my, in my opinion, and I look forward to your opinion on this. When Roman Reigns truly, truly begins to be one of the most, not just disliked wrestlers, but, I mean, almost nauseating wrestlers. When he starts this feud, or reignites a feud, I should say, with the big show. And he's doing this series of uh, vignettes, or I should say, series of promos where they're leading into Extreme Rules, where he's going to face the big show. And I'll tell you what, Suffering Succotash, the suffering, the infamous Suffering Succotash 
promo. Tell us about your, your outlook on that and how nauseating that was. The biggest thing the problem with Roman Reigns, especially in this time frame, is it wasn't just Roman Reigns. It was because like Big Show has almost become like a meme in the wrestling community. For example, like when there was tough rumors of him facing Shaquille O'Neal WrestleMania 33, people were like, "Oh, never celebrity match is gonna lose." Like Big Show was literally just thrown into feuds to lose, and people were sick of seeing that already. Then seeing Roman Reigns beat him on top of that, people were not having it. And his promos, my God, were terrible. It was just not a good time for Roman Reigns. But and if you look at it, it's the same thing I was talking about earlier. Look at the actual matches itself. They hold up as great matches. They just do. No personality. They do. No, no, and I think no personality is is the name of the game when it comes to Roman Reigns. I mean, they try to help him, and you got to also blame the PG era as well. But there are people who have been able to circumvent. Uh, the PG era and still be entertaining. Unfortunately, Roman Reigns is not one of those people. But I'll tell you somebody who is entertaining, and that's somebody who uh, Roman Reigns engages with in his newest feud uh, after Big Show and after WrestleMania with the uh, you know losing the, his opportunity to be champion against Brock Lesnar with the Seth Rollins cash in after Payback of 2015, where Reigns once again. Failed to win the world title from Rollins in a fatal four-way main event involving Orton and Dean Ambrose. We're talking about money in the bank. And we're talking about Bray Wyatt stopping Roman Reigns from becoming the number one contender via the money in the bank briefcase. Sparking what I felt was an excellent rivalry. Uh, it's the first rivalry in this time frame of Roman Reigns being somewhat corny. That made me look at him twice and say, hey, this guy is really good. He needs to work on his promo skills, but he's excellent in the ring, and he can definitely work a darn good match. Uh, Bray Wyatt was hot at the time. He and uh, Luke Harper and, 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 and you know the whole Wyatt family deal was on, was on fire at the time. And we're talking about a series of matches uh, between Battleground SummerSlam, and culminating at uh, Hell in a Cell that were second to none, in my opinion. How did you feel about the Roman Reigns and uh, Bray Wyatt rivalry, and do you feel like it took Roman Reigns to another level? It was certainly one of the most strange rivalries. It's kind of like, kind of like the Chris Jericho-Bray Wyatt rivalry. It's sort of strange, but it works. And Roman Reigns it elevated him, but not in the way that it be it sh it should have it just elevated him at the time where the, if you talk to people about Roman Reigns now, very few people actually mention that feud. Absolutely, I mean, do you agree that Bray was like one of the hottest heels in the industry at that time? Oh, at that time, absolutely. The way they've watered him down is sad. It is. It is. You don't. I like the deleters of worlds, but it is a little bit of a watered down Bray Wyatt. I agree. Impact has more freedom of what they could do to, uh, with the. The delete and uh, broken characters, whereas WWE has guidelines. Right. I, I'm not really sure about um, the parameters of their agreement, but it's obvious that the Matt Hardy gimmick is not exactly the same. It's similar, but it's not exactly the same. And also Bray Wyatt is definitely not the same guy he was in 2015. Hopefully they can um, figure out what to do with him and get him back on track because he's a very talented individual. Former WWE champion also. Um, yes, he is. October 2015, uh, we're looking at Monday Night Raw and a fatal four-way 
to determine the number one contender for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Roman Reigns is going up against Kevin Owens, uh, Alberto Del Rio, and in my opinion, I'm not going to go off on a tangent, but I get fired up every time I say his name. In my opinion, one of the most underutilized wrestlers in the industry, Dolph Ziggler. Even though he's getting this intercontinental title push, I hope it leads to more. But I digress. Uh, World Championship number one contender match on, I believe it was October 26th of 2015. And what happens? Roman Reigns is successful. Roman Reigns becomes the number one contender for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship leading into Survivor Series. But one thing that really, you know, changes everything is real life. And a little bit of real life hit WWE in 2015 on November 4th when the WWE Champion Seth Rollins legitimately injured his knee. And uh, that led to the uh, WWE Championship being vacated. So what happened was WWE kind of did a 360 or 180, I should say, and did a little tournament to determine who would uh, end up facing uh, or having a chance at the, the championship in a tournament-style format, which uh, led to Survivor Series. I was absolutely disgusted with, with the match. I was disgusted with the obvious situation where Triple H tried to congratulate Roman after winning the title. Roman didn't appreciate the congratulations, you know, and all of a sudden here comes Sheamus to cash in money in the bank, and, you know, Roman Reigns is a one-day champion or a one-minute champion uh, at Survivor Series. I felt like Roman Reigns earned that moment. He was kind of getting on my nerves, but I felt like Roman Reigns walking out of Survivor Series would have been cooler than Sheamus walking out as champion, but Sheamus had yet to cash in his money in the bank. Uh, we were wondering when it was going to happen, and it happened on that day, which led to the following night on Raw, which, uh, you know, I felt like was going to be Roman Reigns' time to be the WWE champion, but that wasn't meant to be. Give us your take on the aftermath of Survivor Series. I liked Sheamus cashing in because it let it fed into the authority storyline of Sheamus being like this evil heel guy, and it kind of cured that problem for a little bit of time until, he, of course, he won the title back. Right, I mean, I, I don't I don't like Roman Reigns as a character, but I felt like at Survivor Series, that would have been a culmination that the fans would have at least been somewhat comfortable with. Um, not happy, because, I mean, unfortunately, nobody's ever really happy with the result of a Roman Reigns match, you know? Yes, unless he loses. Exactly, there you go. Um, so, this thing gets pushed forward, and we're looking at the tail end of 2015, and we're talking about TLC... And we're talking about a match that I think a lot of people thought Roman Reigns would win uh, against Sheamus for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. And obviously, with the help of the authority and the help of Triple H and, you know, Tom, Dick, and Harry and whoever else, Roman Reigns is unsuccessful. But uh, the biggest and coolest part of that pay-per-view, which I thought would, I guess, have people raise an eyebrow to Roman Reigns and say, hey, you know what, uh... Maybe this guy's not so bad. Roman Reigns beats the crap out of Triple H after the match. I mean, it was an all-out brutal assault. That uh, level of violence that we hadn't seen from Roman Reigns at this point. Uh, we knew that he wasn't a fan of Triple H. We knew that he and Triple H didn't see eye to eye. But uh, 
he's not he'd never had a chance to lay hands on Triple H to that extent, and he beat the crap out of Triple H, and it was uh, extraordinary in my opinion. The fans actually cheered. It was something that the fans appreciated. Obviously, it was short lived because by the next night on Raw they were booing him again. But how did you feel about the uh, TLC? Uh, culmination when uh, you know Roman Reigns uh, lost to Sheamus, but then took his frustrations out on the COO. Well, and it it was obviously booked very well, and it told the story leading into the Royal Rumble extremely well because you have Sheamus, probably one of the most hated guys in WWE, no matter what era you're in or what year it is. He's pretty like not liked generally, right? He has the same issues with Reigns where he has a lack of character. He's like, I'm Irish. That's pretty much his character. <laughs> yep, basically. that's He kind of plays on that more than anything else. Yeah, and then him being a Triple H, yeah, and it, it kind of made obvious what WrestleMania next year was going to be. But hey, it fed into it, and it fed into the Royal Rumble, especially when we'll get to, obviously, to end the Royal Rumble match a little bit later. It fed into number 30 coming out. We hadn't seen a lot of Mr. McMahon lately. Uh, been a few years since we've seen Mr. McMahon, and and uh, other than like a guest appearance here and there in a in a Vince McMahon role, as in like you know ambassador, welcome to Monday Night Raw, behind the scenes. But Vince McMahon, the return of Mr. McMahon, happened in late 2015 when he uh, was on screen and in the ring and uh, adversely trying to affect Roman Reigns winning the World Championship. Another shameless attempt on WWE's part to try and do anything they possibly can to get the fans to cheer Roman Reigns. Please cheer Roman Reigns. Cheer Roman Reigns. Vince McMahon's against them. Remember when you used to cheer for Stone Cold when Stone Cold was going up against Vince? Hey, same deal, same deal, same deal. It's not the same deal, but they tried. Uh, and uh, Vince McMahon was a part of the rematch that took place between Sheamus and Roman Reigns on Monday Night Raw, a very rare occurrence. A change of the world title on free television in 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14. That rarely happened, but in 2015, it happened. Roman Reigns became the new WWE World Heavyweight Champion. How do you feel about it? Hey, I thought it was good. It, was, it fed into the storyline very well of him losing his job if he didn't win and the sort of de dug in, into some dirty tactics, bringing in the inner heel out of him a little bit. And it was an overall good match. Those two have good chemistry together. Sheamus and Roman Reigns have always been good together. I can't think of a bad Sheamus and Roman Reigns match. Agreed, but isn't it crazy that, I mean, maybe it's just me, but like with everything that's going on with Sheamus uh, right now, working with Cesaro, which I do like the bar. I think they're a good team. But um, I think the New Day is still hot right now, so that's the reason why they went over and they're going to SummerSlam to face the Bludgeon Brothers. Uh, it's crazy that you can look at Sheamus and say, wow, that is a multiple-time world champion. Does that kind of, you know, sound funny to you, or is that just me? He's a very decorated wrestler, in my opinion. He deserves to be a very decorated wrestler. He does a lot for the industry, in my opinion, and he does a lot to better himself. And he does... A fair amount, especially with Cesaro, and put and he puts over so much. Like he's literally jobbed people in tag team matches. He's a guy that does he he's not like Stone Cold where when they asked him to job to Brock Lesnar, he walked out. Right. If Vince McMahon comes up to him and says, You're gonna job to Curtis Axel tonight, he'll be like, Okay, 
and you know, go to Curtis, Curtis Axel and say, okay, what bumps am I going to take? Mm-hmm. He's that type of worker, like Roman Reigns. They're both willing to lose. And to me, that's more important than, than someone who, like a CM Punk, who's just like, I need to win, I need to win, I need to win, I need to win. That's not what it's about. It, that, that's why MMA is kind of a better suit for him. Because winning is the only thing that matters. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Wrestling is about the show. True. And sometimes losing can tell a bigger story and a better story than winning. And that's that's what what, what makes professional Bret wrestling Hart, so awesome. Bret Hart, 1997. That told an even bigger story because he lost. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, yeah. And, and, and uh, I think what Bret wanted to do was lose by disqualification or have it be a smaz or whatever the case may be. But... You're right. I mean, one of the most high-profile uh, situations in the history of the business, the Montreal Screwjob, and it was a loss. So that's a tremendously good example. Uh, we're going into uh, 2016. Roman Reigns is the WWE champion. We have not seen Triple H on television since the brutal attack by Roman Reigns at TLC. Uh, and it's announced. It's announced that by the authority, by Stephanie McMahon, that... The Royal Rumble is going to be different this year. It's going to be different. It's going to be uh, something that's never happened before. Now, technically, it had happened before. In 1992, the title was on the line in the Royal Rumble. Ric Flair became world champion, but there was no champion going in. This is what made this Royal Rumble match so unique, as you touched on earlier. Roman Reigns was the reigning and defending WWE World Heavyweight Champion. and He would have to defend the world title as a participant in the Royal Rumble, which means he had a 1 in 30 chance of losing the title. And, wow, he lost it in shocking fashion. Storyline-wise, you could you kind of saw it coming, but, man, it was still really cool to watch as Triple H is the surprise 30th entrant at the Royal Rumble. And I'll let you take it from here. Tell us and give us your take on Royal Rumble 2016. I loved Royal Rumble. It's probably my... Uh, well, you got to remember, too, about that Pacific Royal Rumble. We had some great people enter. We had AJ Styles make his WWE debut. We had so much... A great lineup of participants. A great overall Royal Rumble match. Probably the best one in the past 20 years or so, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mine was saying 2009. I mean, maybe I'm a little biased in 2009 because that was fair. But um, Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would that uh, Royal Rumble 2009 was in Detroit. Nice, nice. Shout yeah. out to Detroit. Yeah. That's your hometown. I know that. Yeah, that was the one where uh, Randy Orton won. That was a surprise, also. Yeah, that was that was. But uh, like in 2016, it was just a great overall match. You got AJ Styles come in. You got to see a little glimpse of AJ Styles versus Roman Reigns, which to me was very nice to see because I've been thinking about that match for a while at the time, thinking. Hmm, what if AJ faced him? And we got to see a little glimpse of it before we saw the match at Extreme Rules or whatever that year. And then the big thing to me was, because, you know, I'm a huge Triple H mark, is when Triple H came out number 30, I did not expect it. No? I did not not expect to see Triple H come out. I expected to see Triple H come out after the match and congratulate the person who won. I was expecting like a Randy Orton or someone like that. Okay. Okay. Uh, and, but the big, but like a Triple H coming out number thirty, that really sh- got me. 
And I even when he came out, I didn't think he was going to win. I thought maybe Ambrose was going to win to maybe have Ambrose versus uh, Reigns at Mania 32. Again, tie into the Shield. That can never really get old, having Ambrose versus Rollins or Rollins versus Reigns or any combination of the sort. And then Triple H won, and it was great. And especially when it came down to Ambrose and Triple H. Triple H sold so well for Ambrose. He made him look so good. It didn't matter that Ambrose lost. That solidified... Like, I was never that much of an Ambrose guy before that. But that solidified to me. Okay, he's playing with Triple H. He can play with the big guys here. And... I liked how Roman was out of the match, technically not eliminated, but taken out, then brought back in. Right. Later on, that told a good story there. And then the match in between, it was just a very well-constructed Royal Rumble match. I got to give a hats off to like Michael Hayes and all those people because every year they put together that Royal Rumble match. And they do it in a way that always works. I can't think of a bad Royal Rumble match, even 2015. Well, I definitely will will co-sign that. There's never been, in my opinion, a bad Royal Rumble match. People say that 93 was kind of lackluster because Yokozuna was the only person in the match that conceivably could have won it. Uh, Macho Man as well. But everybody kind of knew that the stage was set for Yokozuna to win in 93. But you're right. 99.9% of the time, the Royal Rumble is going to be the second best pay-per-view of the year. They say SummerSlam. I love Royal Rumble even more because it definitely sets the stage, obviously, for WrestleMania. But speaking of WrestleMania, after the Royal Rumble 2016, the stage was set, uh, but not all the way set because you had to get through Fastlane. And at Fastlane, Dean Ambrose, Roman Reigns, and Brock Lesnar were facing a triple threat match to determine the number one contender for the World Heavyweight Championship. And Roman Reigns, predictably, was the winner. It also set the stage for Dean Ambrose versus Brock Lesnar as Dean Ambrose cost Brock Lesnar the chance to win a match during the course of that contest. But we all saw it coming. We all pretty much knew that Triple H was going to face Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. That particular night, Roman Reigns... uh, out of the two, Roman and Triple H. Triple H was not in action that night. He appeared, but he was not in action that night. He brought the title out and basically awaited to see who his number one contender would be. And that number one contender would obviously be the chosen one, uh, Roman Reigns. Um, Man, Triple H did everything in his power to get the fans to cheer Roman Reigns and boo the COO. He talked about the fans like dogs. He said the fans were stupid. He said the fans were weak, just like Roman Reigns. He tried to associate the fans with Roman Reigns. He tried to associate Roman Reigns with the fans. He tried to make it where they were one and the same, like Roman and the fans with his big family, and they need to unite against the authority because Triple H was better than all of them. But it wouldn't work. The fans were totally on Triple H's side. Talk to us right now, Zeljan, about your view about pretty much how no matter what, the fans are always just going to boo Roman Reigns. And that's exactly what the case was going into WrestleMania 32. Roman Reigns is always going to get booed. But as far as the quality of the match went and the whole, I said go start off with the entrances. 
hearing Roman Reigns' music and seeing the pyro go off like it did, it really was something special. It was so grandiose. And, and you know, Tri- you know, Triple H has, you know, he always has a special entrance for WrestleMania. And for that year, it was particularly special. And the one I want to complain about Dimensions, I, I wish Stephanie had more involvement because I would have gotten more heel heat. Right, true. Onto Triple H. And got more Bayface uh, vibes onto Roman Reigns by having the wife and the, the brand chief officer like intervening into the match. But uh, they didn't do that, obviously, because, you know, Stephanie is very fragile. She doesn't take that many bumps. Hey, she was lucky she even had a match for WrestleMania this year. I agree. So, I agree. It's, inter- it's interesting to see all that. As far as the co- it was hardcore, but it was hardcore enough to where you had you were sitting on the edge of your seat. I agree. It wasn't, like, that hardcore. Right. and I mean, but also fairly predictable, am I right? Oh, absolutely fairly predictable. You knew who was going to go over in that because, and it wasn't just that. Anytime you have a guy like Triple H or like when Vince won the Royal Rumble in 1999 or or any other case, you're obviously going to have your backstage duties be number one priority. And they can't really, how do I word it? They can't dedicate themselves to being a full-time champion and running an XT at the same time. Mm-hmm. I agree. So he, he could he chose those three moments to be champion. And he kind of like had a Michael Hayes and a few others kind of take over NXT during that time period. And then he was champion on TV and did just draw and SmackDown stuff on behind the scenes. And then after that, he had to go back to NXT. If, if he were to leave NXT, he could be champion full-time. But his duties in the company prevent him from never doing that again. So Roman Reigns is the new WWE champion after WrestleMania 32. And, you know, he's off to the races. And I think the fans are obviously dissatisfied. It's been made fairly clear that they do not buy Roman Reigns as being the man. But he is the man. So, uh... Explain the reaction uh, in your mind of Roman Reigns coming out the following night on Raw because he's now the man, he's now the WWE champion, he's climbed the mountain. What are your take on, you know, Roman Reigns as WWE champion and the fan reaction? We all know they got booed out of the building, but it was a little extra special booing that night. You know what I mean? You needed to be healed. That could have saved everything. That's true. That's true. So you're saying after the title change, he could have immediately crossed over? Oh, yeah. He, he could have that immediately turned heel and said, screw all of you for booing me. You're worthless. You don't deserve me. And, and that would have got him over. A la The Rock in 1997. I like it. I like it. Yeah. That would have been cool. That would have been cool. But, of course, that's not what happened, unfortunately, as he would be WWE champion and re- remain as a babyface, at least in the minds of The Office. And uh, we're going to a rivalry uh, at ext- starting at Extreme Rules with, uh, in my opinion, the most talented performer in the industry, AJ, AJ Styles. And that uh, uh, that rivalry would last for a couple of months. AJ was unsuccessful in winning the championship, but it was it was awesome. How would you feel about AJ versus uh, Roman Reigns? Great matches. AJ had enough character in him that he balanced out the feud of Roman Reigns. 
And like I said, AJ, one of the greatest performers in the history of the game. Oh, yes. So AJ at Extreme Rules, AJ at Payback, and we're going into Money in the Bank. And wow, controversy, controversy. As Roman Reigns was suspended, suspended for uh, for uh, 30 days for violation of the WWE's wellness policy. Uh, my goodness, um, wasn't on TV, you know, leading into his, you know, title match. How'd you feel about the suspension? That kind of caught everybody off guard. Hey, he broke the rules. He broke for rules. No doubt. No doubt. Well, he definitely had to pay the price and that money in the bank, uh, Reigns was defeated cleanly. And I think that's the key word. He was defeated cleanly by uh, returning Seth Rollins, who had attacked him at the previous pay-per-view, uh, marking his first clean loss on the roster. How cool is that? And I say cool because I'm a, a Rollins fan. How uh, important is it, I should say, that uh, that was his first clean loss in WWE? And you got to wonder, too, when you think about it, is let's say he never was suspended. He probably would have buried Seth Rollins. I believe he was I believe he would have retained. I believe he would have retained, but my goodness. I mean, kudos to WWE. I'm very critical of their storyline writing and their creative, but kudos to WWE for basically building a match where Roman Reigns wasn't around uh, for a month. I mean, how they, they did a really good job of, of that because, uh, uh, I mean, at post, post uh, him losing the title, because at the end of the day, you can't have a champion that's not going to be on the show. Or or can you? I guess it's 2016 at this time, so I guess they could do that. But, you know, unfortunately, 2018, we see the results of being a champion and not being on the show. So why didn't they strip him of the title, though? That's, that's a question I always had. It's a good question. I mean, maybe, like you said, Vince loves Roman. Do you think they maybe have been trying to save the character? Yeah, they are probably trying to save the character. Clearly. I mean, it was... Oh, God. I, it was sickening to me, but whatever. I mean, um, I, I guess the, the, the squeaky clean image of Roman has to remain no matter what. You know what I'm trying to say? Yes. So we're moving into the month of July, and we're, you know, cool part of the year, even though it was a different time of the year they usually do it, which is the WWE draft. And uh, Reigns was drafted to the Raw brand. And uh, despite his suspension, by the way, WWE continued to advertise uh, Roman Reigns for Battleground uh, in the main event, uh, even though, like I said, he was going to be suspended. So, in July, at Battleground, uh, Reigns literally made his television return on pay-per-view facing Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. How'd you feel about the match? Anything that has to do with those three together is amazing. I agree. So... You felt like the match went over pretty well? It went over pretty well, yeah. And it definitely helps with Reigns. And we saw this in the last uh, semi-shield reunion in the last year, where even if he's with uh, Dean Ambrose or Zev Rollins, he gets cheered. That's that's a fact. That's a fact. Um, we're getting into a really important part of history now as we're approaching the debut of the WWE Universal Championship. And uh, Roman Reigns is in the mix to become the number one contender. Eventually, uh, Finn Balor would become the number one contender for the title and become the first ever 
Universal Champion. But if you move forward into the, uh, I guess you could say the the year, the calendar year and storyline, after Roman Reigns' unsuccessful, I guess you could say, run at the Universal Championship, he switches gears and he goes into a, I guess you could say, a heated debate, which turns into a rivalry with Rusev. And uh, it leads to a United States Championship reign. Uh, how did you feel about Roman Reigns as the United States Champion? It was fine. I mean, he wasn't the greatest champion, but he wasn't terrible. I, I thought he was. I thought he was. And I, I know that may sound controversial, but I thought he really did a disservice to uh, the U.S. belt. And... Uh, I, I don't think he carried it very well. I think he carried it. I think John Cena talked about it at one point. I'm certainly not a John Cena guy either, but he did speak the truth. Talking about how Roman Reigns kind of held it as like a trinket. Like he looked at it as like, oh, okay, since I can't have the world title, I'll have the U.S. title. And he carried, he he seemed to carry it that way. He did. And I bet, I think that almost helped of his character. Right. And, and at the end of the day, I mean, I think that's what the fans, the fans also care about the titles as well. So, you know, if you're not going to do do service to the belt, you know, I think John Cena made the U.S. title mean something, you know, during that U.S. Open Challenge. Obviously, others have made it mean something as well, but I'm talking about in the modern era within the last couple of years. Uh, John Cena in 2015, 2014, whenever it was, made the U.S. title really mean something. And I think Roman Reigns just had the U.S. title just so they can make sure that Roman Reigns had a belt. You know, so, yeah, I would say that's accurate. Yeah, so I mean, now we're going. I mean, we're going to fast forward into the year because at the end, I thought it was very uneventful. It was continue week after week, month after month of being booed out of the building as the United States champion. Uh, he ends up going through the Survivor Series, being booed out of the building as the United States champion, and he continues to hold on to that title until he loses the title to Chris Jericho. And I loved it. I thought it was well done. I thought the interference of Kevin Owens, I thought the Kevin Owens-Chris Jericho connection was tremendous. Roman Reigns, now the former U.S. champion, Chris Jericho, the new U.S. champion. Talk about how you felt about that title change. Anything of Jericho is amazing. Jericho is just, he he is like Brian Christopher Waller. He bleeds charisma and, and personality. He don't even need to try with him. Like he, he just says, hey. It's still it's a personality behind it. It is the personality behind it. And I'll tell you what, he's one of the greatest performers in ring and out of ring. I was actually talking about this on Twitter yesterday. I said his debut in 1999 is arguably the greatest ever in WWE history. Other than Goldberg. Goldberg is pretty good. Oh, you thought Gold? But I'm saying, you th do you think Goldberg's debut in 03 was better than uh, Jericho in 99? I was actually around for Goldberg's debut so it so it means more sentimentally okay that makes a lot of sense well when you get a chance if you if you get it i'm sure you've seen yeah. it but oh my goodness uh to debut uh going in a battle of wits with the rock it was it was certainly something to behold but yeah after his uh you know 106 day uh title reign as u.s champion ended uh, obviously, what are we going to do? We're going to start gearing up and start focusing once again on being the WWE World Heavyweight Champion, Universal Champion, whatever he wanted at the time. I guess the whole world was Roman Reigns and we're just living in it. But at the Royal Rumble, he was unsuccessful in winning that match. He uh, did not come out as the Royal Rumble winner. 
and a little bit lost in the shuffle moving forward, uh, heading towards WrestleMania. How would you feel about WrestleMania season for Roman Reigns in 2017? It was very lost for him, where he didn't really know what he was going to... Well, obviously, my management knew what he was doing. But we didn't know who he was doing or what he was going to do, especially in that time frame, because he had that bout Kevin Owens. And then he had other little mini feuds in there. And then they really let the Undertaker stuff settle in about a few weeks beforehand. Right. And and, and actually leading up to this, a uh, little bit of a, a small feud with uh, – well, I say small because it was small in, in time – with Braun Strowman. How would you feel about him versus Braun Strowman? It was an interesting feud. It didn't help Strowman in the end, but it kind of elevated him a little bit. I couldn't agree more. So let, let's take a pause here and let's just think about, you know, for the fans out there, uh, everybody wants to know how you feel about Roman. I, they want to know how I feel about Roman. And I think we're coming up on a time in the history of Roman Reigns that is, in my opinion, the most important. And uh, it's it's when you you give somebody the torch and you tell them that no matter what we believe in you and no matter what we're gonna go with you. Uh, Hogan got the torch in 1987 by beating Andre the Giant. He deserved it. Uh, Stone Cold got the torch and shared somewhat shared the torch, but he was definitely in the lead with The Rock. But he got the torch in 1998 from Shawn Michaels and he deserved it. Uh, The Rock got it, like I said, he kind of shared it with Austin, but then he eventually passed it to John Cena, and not that John Cena got it, but John Cena deserved it. And all along, with all those names that I just mentioned, there was one guy who held his own torch, and there was one guy who, uh, despite whether he had a championship or not, and despite the Stone Colds, and the Hogans, and the Brock Lesnar's, and the whoever's, the Undertaker stood alone as the phenom and stood alone as arguably, and probably not arguably, the most respected man in the industry. Coming off the loss at WrestleMania 30 to Brock Lesnar, which was a shock, a shock heard around the world, in my opinion, even though... But it was needed. It was needed. It was. I agree. And I agree. It, it was something that, storyline-wise, it, it had to happen. But uh, obviously, as a fan, um, you know, we were a little bit, I'm sure all of us were a little blown away. But uh, we could see it. Like you said, it, it made it made sense after you let it settle in. But one thing that didn't make sense, my goodness, uh, is Roman Reigns and Undertaker at WrestleMania, in my opinion. I understand it was another torch passing. But all those names I mentioned, Hogan, Austin, Rock, Cena, those names got the torches passed to them, and you felt like, hey, they deserved it. Talk to us about WrestleMania 33. Talk to us first. Let's go first about the match setup. I don't want to be petty on this show. Listen, but I got to talk about things that the fans want to talk about. And something that I think the fans take very seriously, I know I do, is match order. Now, when you look at a show like WrestleMania 18, Hogan Rock was the main event of that show. But Hogan and Rock did not go on last. They had respect for the title and... Chris Jericho and Triple H fought for the Undisputed Championship to close the show. If you ask Triple H, if you ask Chris Jericho, they will tell you that Rock and Hogan was the main event of that show, but they did not go on last. Undertaker, Roman Reigns went on last. The Undertaker deserves that respect, in my opinion. Roman Reigns does not. 
That's just my personal opinion. Talk to us about your feelings and be as candid as you can about your feelings about WrestleMania 33, The Undertaker versus Roman Reigns. The way I would have booked that is if you really wanted Roman, because they know they want Roman to be Universal Champion. The way I would have booked that is have, instead of Chris Jericho, pardon me, Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns, have Kevin Owens versus Undertaker at Royal Rumble. Okay. He, he was there anyways. Okay, I got you. Yeah, have him booked to win the title against Kevin Owens and have him drop it to Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Because that stat still gives you the passing of the torch but from the Undertaker, who's basically gone full-time at this point. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and to giving it to Roman Reigns, who's just as nearly as good as him in his prime, and as far as in-ring goes. And then you have the championship there, which you can make Roman the champion as well. It's a win-win situation. But the way they did it was fine, I, I guess. It was very smart to wake it. Uh, I don't know a lot of people listen, younger people listening know about the way the territories used to work. But let's say the two guys, big guys in territory were Hulk Hogan and Bruno San Martino. If Bruno San Martino was on the way out, he would take a big L to Hulk Hogan. Right. Making, giving him the top guy of the territory. And it's always been a thing in wrestling. Your top guy loses to a new top guy. And not, and they, and this is what they're doing with Undertaker versus Roman. And I think the match went on too long because he started to see the fatigue in Taker. Mm-hmm. Like, like too much, where it's like unenjoyable to watch. But it wasn't a bad match overall. The, especially with how physical Undertaker was getting with the chairs and all the weapons he brought out. He was still showing, hey, I am still Undertaker. Oh, Undertaker put on a heck of a show, especially for a man his age. He's, he's, a, he's a phenom in more ways than one. But what I want you to touch on more, if you can, is, is just the symbolism of the, past, the passing of the torch. Uh, between Undertaker and Roman Reigns. You feel like it was Roman Reigns' time. And and, and like you just said, uh, I don't want to take away your point, which you made was very valid about how they could have done it in a different way. But the way they went, they had Roman Reigns go over on The Undertaker at WrestleMania. Almost, you know, even though he had lost to Brock at WrestleMania 30, that stigma of Undertaker at WrestleMania still meant something. Uh, now, we're talking about a major... Uh, diminishing of, of luster as it pertains to that WrestleMania deal uh, with The Undertaker, uh, with all due respect, after losing to Roman Reigns. How'd you feel about that aspect? I was actually fine with Rutler Undertaker losing to Roman Reigns because I don't I, like I don't want Undertaker just coming in once a year and winning if it's taking away from someone this full time. Okay. Okay. So you're not a big fan of the you know. Uh, part-time deal, once-a-year deal. You didn't. You don't feel like the... And I know you... We've talked off the air. I know you have a lot of respect for The Undertaker, but you don't feel like The Undertaker should automatically win at WrestleMania? Not anymore. Because, well, like, for example, WrestleMania 31, yeah, Bray Wyatt can lose to Taker, and it won't hurt him. Mm-hmm. Because he doesn't... He Because he doesn't have that much behind him anyways. Okay. Um, who else? Shane McMahon can lose because he's such a fan favorite character. Anyways, there's certain people that can lose to Taker, and it won't affect him. Roman Reigns, it would have severely affected him. It would have severely affected 
Roman Reigns to lose at WrestleMania to The Undertaker. So you're saying that The Undertaker, who would have went off the scene, I guess this is the first time we're really kind of going to go back and forth and debate because I really, I uh, I don't agree with you on this one. Roman Reigns yes. comes out the following night and gets booed out of the building. Now, Roman Reigns probably would have been heckled had he lost to The Undertaker rather than being, I mean, he, okay, let me, let me rephrase. He would have been booed no matter what because they don't like Roman Reigns. Bottom line, it would have been more of a heckling boo and a more of a laughable boo had he lost to The Undertaker because they would have been pleased that he lost. But you feel like Roman Reigns would have lost luster had he lost to The Undertaker at WrestleMania? Yes. Yes, yes, I do. And the biggest, and it's not, and I, I should preface it, it's not just a thing about getting booed next night. This is about long-term booking. Okay, explain. This is about making him a long-term guy you put faith into. This is making about making him so you can make him universal champion one one someday down the road. This makes it more believable. You had thing. this man. This man just won the world title on in, in at the biggest WrestleMania in history the previous year, and you're saying he would have lost steam if he lost to the Undertaker. I believe he would have because there's so because there's so much respect and everything surrounding the Undertaker that's so much more powerful. Wow, I disagree with you, my man. Undertaker wins that match. Undertaker goes away for another year. And and Roman Reigns picks up right where he left leaves off, man. He goes straight into this uh to this feud with, with Braun Strowman. He, he 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 still runs Braun Strowman over uh with the ambulance or does whatever, runs the truck into the ambulance. He still does all that stuff. He's still on top of his game. I don't think he loses a thing, man. To me, I'm happy that Undertaker lost for the simple reason of I just don't like the idea of of especially a guy who needs steam like Roman Reigns to because that's such a diminishing that would be a very diminishing thing to him and if you looked at the response afterwards with with Undertaker I truly believe at the time of the match he was retired mm-hmm. I did too it only came up later for him to come back and do like a shorter match of Cena at WrestleMania, and now he's doing like some matches here and there, like at Greatest Royal Rumble and Super Showdown, etc. But at the time, I really believed he was going to be retiring, and that was the perfect way for him to go out. Going back to that time frame, uh, you know, like I said, went into a heated. Uh, a heated battle with Braun Strowman over the next couple of months. He had previously feuded with Braun Strowman, as I said earlier, before WrestleMania. But after WrestleMania, this feud really took off. And uh, Braun received a, uh, a legit injury that kept him out of action for a couple of weeks. But this rivalry would culminate at the Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view in July. And Roman Reigns... I mean, Roman Reigns destroyed uh, Braun Strowman with a, uh, you know, with, with Strowman inside of the ambulance. I mean, the ambulance was destroyed, for lack of better terms. Roman Reigns lost the match, but the act of violence that he uh, uh, did to uh, Braun Strowman definitely took the violence factor to another level. Why did you feel that they had Roman do that kind of an act? I mean badass, you know, trying to get respect from the fans. What was your take on that? 
It's exactly what he said. You're trying to get. He's trying to gain respect from the fans by channeling a attitude era type of move. Absolutely. Okay, I I, I could dig that. Well, listen. Speaking of respect, after an unsuccessful and pretty uneventful uh, Fatal 4-Way at SummerSlam, I thought that match was poorly done where Brock Lesnar retained, Roman Reigns would head into arguably his most polarizing, I use the word polarizing on purpose because we're talking about the two most polarizing guys personality-wise in the industry today. It was a short feud, it was a short battle of wits, and it was one good match, but it was really entertaining uh john cena the man who talking about passing torches seemed like if the undertaker torch uh, torch passing wasn't enough wwe was gonna have them pass another torch if you won't accept them taking undertaker's torch let's hope they accept taking john cena's torch and that seemed like obviously what the plan was and that's exactly what would play out at no mercy in September of 2017, where Roman Reigns would defeat cleanly the 16-time champion. How'd you feel about the turnout of that match? That was my match of the year last year. Awesome. Please go into more detail, because I know the fans want to know why you felt like that was a match of the year. You had two polarizing figures, pardon me, polarizing figures, in a very controversial, very controversy-written storyline. There was not. There was a lot of controversy surrounding this having these two in a match. Like, what is like? Is Vince like? Is Vince like having sexual relations with, with Roman at this point? It was like that, <laughs> that type of thing. Right. It, like putting these two in a match together is pure genius for money. First of all, at the arena that night, they probably sold double the merch from all the children buying Cena shirts and Roman shirts. It's it's brilliant business wise. It's brilliant storyline wise. The match itself was great, or especially the spot where Cena just like just starts walking off like he doesn't give a crap. Right, right. And then Roman's like, "No, they're coming back here." Then it just gets more violent, more violent from there on. The match itself was built brilliantly. The the raw talk after where Cena's like, "Hey, I respect him now." It was. Very well written, the very whole thing. That was truly truly one of the best matches of 2017. I agree with you. Do you agree with my point on the fact that they felt like this was another torch passing, obviously? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. A lot of people doubted Reigns would win for that reason. Well, okay. So, because John Cena's not done is what you're trying to say. Yeah, because like when I was talking about my cousin at the time of it, and... And he's like, there's no way Reigns is going to win. They're not passing Cena's tor- torch down already. Well, I mean, that's exactly what happened. And I, I, I it was a great match. Um, one of those matches you're not sure who to cheer for. You're not sure to boo more. But you just wanted to see quality matches. And I thought their promos on Raw leading up to the match were stellar. Uh, a little bit of uh, rated R attitude stuff in the PG mix. And I liked it a lot. I hope WWE continues that trend. It seems like they are a lot more use of profanity over the last couple of uh, couple of months, um, leading into uh, WrestleMania, leading into SummerSlam. You know, uh, Reigns calling out Brock, and we're gonna get to that in a short a period of time. But here's a cool aspect of Roman Reigns that I think we want to talk about right now because after I said, uh, like I said, an unsuccessful uh, Fatal Four Way uh, Championship opportunity at SummerSlam. After defeating John Cena in arguably the match of the year at No Mercy, we're looking 
uh, in the month of October at The Miz. The Miz, who I consider to be one of the most entertaining characters in the game today. Uh, someone who is very much unappreciated, but maybe, maybe I should take that back because he is getting high-profile matches. I just say unappreciated because I would have liked to have seen him in the main event picture a little bit more over the last couple of years. It has been, oh my goodness, six years since he was in the main event of WrestleMania, so it's not like we're talking about yesterday here, but... The Miz is awesome. That's all I'm trying to say. And the Miz Taraj is also awesome. The reigning, the reigning Raw Tag Team Champions here in 2018. But in 2017, the Miz and the Miz Taraj were just getting started and really making some waves. Along with Cesaro and Sheamus, who formed somewhat of an alliance over the past couple of months. And they were each individually beating up the Shield. I mean, whether it was Dean Ambrose one week, Roman Reigns the next week, Seth Rollins the week after that. Uh, the combination of the bar and uh, the Mysterize were taking their liberties with the former members of the Shield, which led to a Shield reunion. Um, it initially started of sorts. of sorts, yes, of sorts. It initially began uh, in the summer, leading into SummerSlam, where Dean and Seth finally got back on the same page after all these years, and uh, we weren't sure if Roman was going to be involved, but sure enough. He eventually became a part of the Shield reunion. They made t-shirts. The whole shebang was on and popping. The Shield was back. Except for the fact that Roman Reigns got sick and Kurt Angle had to fill in for him at tables, ladders, and chairs at their first high-profile match at a pay-per-view. How do you feel about that? I felt Kurt Angle did a very good job. It obviously killed the buzz of reunion, obviously, mm-hmm. to have Reigns not there. But the Kurt Angle was a great fill-in. I mean, just think about it. You got Nabar, Braun Strowman, Kane, and The Miz. Five of the most entertaining guys on, the, on, the, on, on Raw. Thank you for time. pointing that out. Thank you for pointing that out. I appreciate that. I forgot Kane was in that match as well. Exactly. Yeah. Five of the most entertaining guys on Raw facing Kurt, facing Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, and Kurt Angle. It's like... You got an all-star match right there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it was well done. I think it was exciting, and I think it was the correct pick for the main event of the night. The Shield, like you said, the Shield reunion lost a little bit of steam because of Roman Reigns being sick. But uh, they definitely did a good job. And Kurt, I guess, made an early comeback to the ring because I'm sure that wasn't the plan initially. The plan was WrestleMania, if I recall right. Okay, so there you go. So they, I guess they had to call an audible and... Uh, big ups to Kurt Angle for taking that role because that was short notice, you know. He could have said no and just said, "Let's get Baron Corbin or whoever to do it." Right, right. So I'm I'm happy that that's the way it worked out. But unfortunately for me, being a Shield fan, I'm not a Roman Reigns fan, but I am a Shield fan. The uh, the Shield um, reunion would not last long. That's why you said of sorts. I agree with you on that because it certainly wasn't what I'm sure WWE wanted it to be. After my goodness a three-year hiatus from being together as a team. Uh, the Shield reunion did not last very long as they rolled through the Survivor Series, had a very good showing at Survivor Series. But unfortunately, uh, a Dean Ambrose injury uh, essentially ended the Shield reunion. Obviously, to this day, Seth and Reigns are cool, but Dean Ambrose not being on the scene uh, pretty much uh, broke down the opportunity for the fans to see 
the Shield together together, which is what the fans always wanted. How do you feel about, I guess you could say, the disappointment of the Shield not working out? It just seemed like a conglomerate of of unfortunate incidents from from Reigns being sick for TLC to Ambrose being injured. It just seemed like it just wasn't meant to be. Yeah, I don't know if it wasn't meant to be, but there's a lot of circumstances that didn't lead to it having its full course. Of course, they had to run at a Survivor Series against the New Day, which is a very well put together match. Sure, they uh, had their 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 feuding with the Bar and Samoa Joe uh, leading up to Royal Rumble, which obviously led to Jason Jordan and uh, which is, I feel like. Everyone in, in that time frame that even that touched anything to do with Shield got injured or sick in some way because Jason Jordan got injured, looked at match with Seth, and yeah, basically everyone that touched the Shield got injured in some way minus Seth. Absolutely, absolutely, and it, 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 like it was almost like the the Shield curse, man. It just wasn't. That's why I say it wasn't meant to be, but I understand it was just a, like I said, it was a, a, a definitely unfortunate situation that the shield didn't stay together longer because of outside uh situations but um you know let's just fast forward man i mean the saga continues as roman reigns now focuses on the intercontinental championship and uh is successful he wins the intercontinental title and he's off to the races leading into the royal rumble uh he loses the championship to the miz on the 25th anniversary of monday night raw Uh, i thought his intercontinental title reign was pretty cool it obviously put him into a uh a distinct club. He became uh, the 17th uh, Grand Slam champion. Uh, I think, you know, after 28, you know, excuse me, 28 Triple Crown winners and 17 Grand Slam champions, it doesn't have the same luster as Shawn Michaels being the first or Triple H being the second, but it's still a major accomplishment. And, uh... Yeah, if you look at the roster, there's still, like, only, like, less than a third have done it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, an accomplishment, not a little bit of a watered-down accomplishment in my opinion, but an, an accomplishment nonetheless. And um, now we're looking at the Royal Rumble and we're looking at Roman Reigns' ascent to what he hopes to be another WrestleMania main event. And uh, Roman Reigns is unsuccessful as uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, arguably at the time one of the most popular guys in the business, uh, wins the Royal Rumble, setting up the dream match between he and AJ Styles, which turned into a really good feud. Uh, we'll talk about that on another day. But the bottom line is Roman Reigns did not win the Royal Rumble, much to the delight of the crowd, the WWE Universe. How'd you feel about that? But he Royal was Rumble? the final two. He was, yes, he was a finalist. He was a finalist, but he was not victorious. How do you feel about the Royal Rumble match and that pay-per-view in general? Because I thought it was really well done, especially oh, yeah, with the women's evolution and the first ever women's Royal Rumble. Oh, yeah, the women's rumble is better than the men's rumble. Absolutely. As far as the men's one goes, yeah, it was a it was a very good rumble match. You got Rey Mysterio come back. Yeah, Hurricane came back for a little stint. They got uh, Horace. No, Hornswoggle wasn't the greatest Royal Rumble. But there was a, a lots of returns. Well, no, not, not really that many. Uh, lots of like names you don't usually see on TV or popping in, like Gold Dust and all that. Right. It was a very, very put together, well put together match. Shinsuke winning was very good. I think he came in at a very good point too. Uh, number fourteen was a very good number for him to come in. He was in there for like the middle amount of time. A person who wanted Ben Balor to win, coming in number one. Right. He could have pulled a Raymond. He could have pulled a Rey Mysterio on us. 
I mean, I, I'm, he I'm not really. It? Yeah, exactly. And I, he, and I think you hit the nail on the head. He deserves it. He still hasn't gotten a shot at the universal title after losing, you know, losing it due to injury. So. I think I think after Roman wins it or whoever wins the title, then he's going to call for a rematch. I think Finn Bauer versus Brock Lesnar is too unrealistic. You think so? For WWE to do it, yes. Okay. I would like to see it, but for WWE to do it... I agree. They probably wouldn't pull the trigger on that. I I see where you're coming from. It would be great from a fan perspective, but the office probably would be hesitant, which is probably the reason why it's yet to happen. I mean, we're talking about almost 500 days Brock's been champion, so, you know, it is what it is. Look at Cena, Brock from SummerSlam 2014. Cena's a big dude, and you basically got murdered in that match. He did. He did. I agree with you. I agree with you. Just that. mention what, what Finn's little body would do. <laughs> That's true. And speaking of that match, let's talk talk about that for like 30 seconds. Uh, Cena, Brock, uh, SummerSlam, uh, I believe it was 20, help me out, 2014. 14. 14. Cena got destroyed. Like, I didn't see that coming. I mean, Brock destroyed Cena. Like, not just beat him, destroyed him. Yeah, he like he basically murdered without killing. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. So we're heading to WrestleMania season after uh, Roman has not won the Royal Rumble. Shinsuke won it, and uh, we're going to uh, the return of the Elimination Chamber. That pay per view had been off the scene for a little while, but they brought it back on this particular night in February where. Roman Reigns would have qualified the previous, I believe he qualified the previous week by defeating Bray Wyatt uh, to become the sixth participant in the Elimination Chamber, and predictably, he won the match. So even though he didn't win the Royal Rumble, he was going to be in the main event of WrestleMania. It was now set up for Reigns versus Lesnar at WrestleMania one more time, this time WrestleMania 34 in New Orleans. And I'll tell you, one of the most controversial matches because uh, the fans were so in tune to what's going on. It's been that way for for several years, but now more than ever, I mean, between social media and all other aspects of communication, the fans are so educated about what's going on. Everybody knew Brock Lesnar was in negotiation with UFC. Everybody knew that there was a chance his contract was coming up and he might leave. So the fans were irate. I mean... WrestleMania 34, Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship. The fans revolted. They were making noise in the crowd, looking away, giving standing ovations for other people in the crowd, totally not involved in the match. Six F5s later, Roman Reigns, unsuccessful, loses the match in a shocker. We would find out the next day that Brock re-signed with WWE. But talk to us for a second, if you would, about... WrestleMania 34 and the build-up to that, and then the match, because uh, Reigns-Lesnar, Mania 4, pretty good match, but overshadowed by a lot of controversy. It was lazy. Anything of Lesnar Lesnar in 2018 is pretty lazy, because he just wants to do everything UFC MMA style. He shows up for a press conference, does some trash talking, and leaves. Where a wrestling feud is the Miz where he goes after you week after week after week and digs in your personal information, goes into your social media. That's a wrestling feud right there. Mm-hmm. Brock Lesnar doesn't believe in wrestling feuds. He believes in MMA feuds. 
I agree, but do you think that they performed well? I mean, uh, I thought it was a good match. Uh, you you say lazy. I understand what you're talking about, lazy in, in WWE terms. But as far as the story being told and, and things of that nature, and definitely a shocker at the end, right? Oh, absolutely. I did not expect him to win at all. Uh, all the money was on for Roman Reigns to win. Absolutely. And it was a decent match. It, was, it wasn't the worst match in the world. But the crowd is so much a part of it. Yeah. That they almost ruined it. They almost, they really did, man. And I, like I said, it was, it was, it was really upsetting as a fan watching at home to see the crowd reacting that way. But then again, it was almost like you understood because I didn't want Roman Reigns to win. But it was almost like, man, like we know the WrestleMania main event outcome before the match even starts. This sucks. But to the delight, I guess, I guess we didn't know what we were getting into here by Brock Lesnar retaining the title. But at the time. A little bit of relief on the on behalf of the fans. You know what I mean? Yes. So and that perfectly leads into Greatest Royal Rumble. Absolutely, and I'd like you to take the reins on that because uh, reigns figuratively uh, on that because uh, reigns kind of won the match. So talk to us about that. Yeah, he basically won. His feet touched the ground first. The rules of the steel cage match is is that the, the winner is whoever's feet touched down first. And technically, it was Reigns. Okay. It was only Brock's back that hit back. That's where all the controversy was. And part of me likes to think maybe there's a little bit of shoot involved. Like when the referee was saying, I wasn't worried about their safety, he was maybe he was being legit. Maybe Roman Reigns was supposed to win, but he was so worried about both of them that, that Vince and Zier was just like, just let Brock win. That's possible. They do throw, they do uh, audible from time to time, and, and even if it's a last minute deal, that does happen. Do you feel that uh, Roman? I mean, as the uncrowned Universal Champion, how do you think that you know those storylines and that those promos? Because he immediately claimed the title, you know, at the night after or the next Monday on Raw and things of that nature. Uh, believable or kind of corny? I think it would have would have been better if he actually came out with a replica of the of the Universal title. Ah, little John Cena, CM Punk back in 2011. I like it. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I would have loved to see him come out like one he bought off the WWE shop. <laughs> that would have been cool. See, a little bit of a little bit of flavor added to Roman Reigns would do a lot of good, but it just doesn't seem like they get it. But it is what it is, man. I mean, other than the Shield, man, I I just don't. I can't get behind this guy. And another example of that is some 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 really weird booking after after a successful outing against Samoa Joe at Backlash, uh, and uh, a moderately entertaining, I guess you could call it entertaining feud with Jinder Mahal, which led to a victory at Money in the Bank after Jinder cost Roman Reigns a spot in the in the ladder match itself. We get into uh, Bobby Lashley and. Man, I'll tell you, you know, when you see SummerSlam on the horizon, uh, at this point when Extreme Rules rolled around, uh, the Brock Lesnar situation was not yet truly defined, so we didn't know if Brock would be there. Uh, WWE at least was projecting it that way. Um, so Bobby Lashley versus Roman Reigns was just a grudge match, you know, but, um, you know, Bobby Lashley victorious, but what I want to talk to you about, what I want your opinion is, is the ridiculousness of how this match basically meant nothing. And what I mean by that is, 
after defeating Roman Reigns at Extreme Rules, two weeks later, Bobby Lashley was told to face Roman Reigns again to decide the number one contender for the WWE Universal title at SummerSlam after it was established that Brock would be there. And Roman Reigns goes over. So talk to us about Extreme Rules. Talk to us about the rematch on Raw. And talk to us about perhaps the validity of Bobby Lashley's initial win in Extreme Rules really doesn't mean anything considering the fact that we're standing on the uh, doorstep of another Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar title match. I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world. I actually, I'm actually one of the few people that actually want to see Roman Reigns win that because, to me, Bobby Lashley has improved that he can be a a good Universal Champion. Because just like look at his feud with Sami Zayn, look at his feud with Roman. It's been very boring. Okay. Even if it's even if it's great writing, even if Shakespeare wrote it, it would still be boring because you still have Bobby Lashley like I'm a good guy. I'm different than that was 10 years ago. He needs to be a heel before anything happens. Bobby Lashley's a heel. I think that would work, but I don't think he has the chops for it. You know what I mean? He can redevelop them. He had them in Impact. That's true. That's true. That's true. A little bit of a forgotten time in his career, but you're right. And he was TNA World Champion. That is true. That is true. I guess I'm remembering him back in the WWE days, but you're right. Very, very limited on the microphone. But, like, he did develop... His heel character impact. You're right about that. I wish that would transition over. Yeah, and I think that's the plan. Everyone comes in as a baby face, basically. Yeah, because of Unless the cool Jared. part of them. Yeah, because of the cool part of them returning or coming or debuting or whatever. Yeah. And then you want people to hate them. Right, right. Like, as a matter of fact, we talked earlier in the show about how Seth attacked um, Roman Reigns on his comeback. The fan loves him. And then. You know, the next night on Raw, it's almost like, you know, uh, Rollins is reminding the fans, hey, by the way, I hate you guys. Stop stop cheering for me. Yeah. Same And same Roman premise. and Bobby have, have that problem. And Bobby um, doesn't really, hasn't earned a universal spot yet. I think it should be a triple threat afterwards. Maybe Finn Balor, Bobby Lashley, Roman Reigns. That is a really good dynamic. I think that's an acceptable analysis on your part. I can see that happening, and I think it would be a good dynamic. But with that being said, that brings us up to the present day, 2018. Today is August 23rd, 2018, and we have just seen a good SummerSlam show. Not great, but good, where Braun Strowman threatened to cash in the money in the bank that he retained by squashing Kevin Owens earlier in the evening and Brock Lesnar was not able to retain. I know that a lot of people were a little bit on edge and wondering what would happen. Uh, I think myself as a fan, Zildjian, I'm sure you would agree. You as a fan and whoever else who's listening wasn't a hundred percent sure what would happen. I mean, at WrestleMania, it was a foregone conclusion that Roman Reigns would win the title. He did not. At Greatest Royal Rumble, it was a foregone conclusion that Roman Reigns would win the title. He did not. But he was able to capture the Universal Championship for the very first time. He has been WWE Champion, but he is now the Universal Champion. For the very first time, he was able to conquer the mountain called Brock Lesnar in his fourth attempt in uh, doing so. Um, the fans cheered. I think the fans cheered more so 
for the fact that Brock was no longer champion. It looks like Brock may go off the scene again. I'm not sure what may happen. I do know Monday night following SummerSlam that Paul Heyman requested from Kurt Angle that Brock Lesnar receive his return match for the Universal Championship at Hell in a Cell next month. That request was denied. Uh, so I don't know, like I said, if Brock Lesnar is going to go off the scene. If he does go off the scene, I have no problem with Brock Lesnar. I would love to see Brock Lesnar continue to be a special attraction, even as he prepares for Daniel Cormier in UFC next year. I would love to see Brock Lesnar continue to wrestle. I don't care if it's three or four times a year, as long as he's not champion. My issue with Brock was not that he showed up every few months. My issue with Brock was the fact that he showed up every few months as Universal Champion. The Universal Championship should be on the show. And again, that's the reason why I feel like the fans cheered Roman Reigns at Barclays Center in Brooklyn initially because they knew that they would have the Universal Championship present every week and at house shows moving forward. That being said, I liked it but I didn't like it. I mean, I'm just not a big fan of Roman Reigns. I am more of a fan of Brock Lesnar. And I think now that he's the universal champion, by the way, I'm really not happy about the fact that WWE tries to make the universal title seem so prestigious, even on the equal playing field of the WWE championship. The WWE championship has lineage that the universal championship will never attain. So That's kind of corny to me, but that's a different story for a different day. Zildjian, my question to you is, now that Roman Reigns is the new Universal Champion, now that Roman Reigns has climbed yet another mountain, he's very decorated, he is a Grand Slam winner, as we talked about earlier, what do you think, when it's all said and done, Roman Reigns' legacy will be? In 20 years, he's a Hall of Famer. He's going to have the same projection as Varrock, Stone Cold, all those guys. What does Roman Reigns have to do? I'm trying. I'm putting you to work here. What does Roman Reigns have to do to have his... He has to turn heel. Okay, I was about to say. What does he need to do to have his music hit and the fans go crazy? So at the end of the day, he turns Because that music is natural heel music. Yeah, natural heel. And then eventually when he becomes like an anti-hero, you know, two years after that, then the fans will love him. I don't. I wouldn't say love him, but they'll be kind of neutral. More accepting. More, they'll be more accepting of him. They're not gonna be like it's not gonna be like a stone cold reaction. Never for him. If he was gonna get that hero, he would have already gotten that reaction. I got you. I got you, hundred percent, man. This has been so fun, man. Before we let you go, we want to make sure you have an opportunity to let the world know because I know you're a really talented guy. You got a lot of stuff going on. Busy man. Um. Please let the world know. Break it down for everybody about who you are as far as your social media, uh, what you're doing, your shows, your appearances, all that good stuff because the fans want to be able to reach out to you. You can reach out to me on social media. On Twitter, I am Zildjian65YT. I am Zildjian underscore 65 on Instagram. I am Zildjian65 on YouTube and Zildjian65 on Twitch. I never really use Twitch that often. I more use it for watching streams. I try and stream every now and again on Twitch. Um, Of course, I host myself at Drum Room and This Week in Rock and all that. Of course, check out the TNT podcast. 
the TNT podcast. The Twitter is TNT Podcast 2018. And in the pinned tweet is all the links to all the places you can find it. Listen, man, we want to thank yeah. you so much for being on the show. I thought this was awesome, you know what I'm saying? And I think the fans are really going to appreciate your insight. Uh, this back and forth about Roman Reigns was really exciting, and I'm glad you were able to come on the show. I appreciate it, man. Welcome anytime, dude. No doubt, man. Look forward to working with you again. So with that being said, once again, this is the Hubbard WrestlingWeekly.com podcast. I'm your man, Sean H. He is Zeljan. 65. We appreciate you being with us. Talk to you next week. We're out of here. Peace. This has been a production of HubbardWrestlingWeekly.com, home of the Hubbard Wrestling Weekly podcast. The very best in professional wrestling, both independent and mainstream. The ideas and content of this show are the exclusive property of HubbardWrestlingWeekly.com. The opinions of its hosts and guests are theirs and theirs alone, as this show and website are not associated with any professional wrestling organization.